0: to say uh, that everything is alright don't look at me that way uh, like everything is alright cause my own eyes can see uh, through all your false but what you fail to see is all the consequences you think our lives are cheap. So found you can taste it
1: Good afternoon. I wanted to start today's podcast off um, with a very important uh, music <laughs> icon. Um, that is Lauren Hill. Um, that selection is called I Find It Hard to Say. Um, it is off of her unplugged album, but I chose that particular selection because that selection is. Um, kind of gives you an idea of where I was mentally when I was dealing with the narc um, some years ago. And today, you know, I kind of consider this a part two uh, of where I left off at last Tuesday. Um, but today we're going to more so focus on how the narcissist takes a toll on their victims. And again, um if you were listening very clearly to what Lauren Hill was saying, um, she mentioned a lot of good things. Um, and one of the things that always stands out to me is her specifically saying um, his life is so incomplete or their lives are so incomplete and nothing can replace it. Um what I get from that is, whomever at one point, um, in this case, the narcissist, whoever at one point that had me or that had you under their manipulation, under their issues, um, you know, they actually have so many different voids that they are constantly on a daily basis trying to fill. And unfortunately, they cannot fill those voids which is why they do what they do, which is why they are unhealthy in every aspect of their life. Now, narcissists do have the ability to be very successful individuals, but there is a dark side of that individual. So I don't want to get too off topic. Um, you know how I am. I'm totally open. I love to be authentic to the point that I just flow and go when I'm on here rather than trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to say and it not be authentic. So, again, I wanted to start today's podcast off with uh, Lauren Hill. Um, that selection by Lauren Hill is I find it hard to say. Another uh, sentence that pops out to me um, is when she says, I find it hard to say that everything is all right. So again, we're talking about, I'm talking about, excuse me, um, just the the toll that it takes on the victim. Um, And that song kind of takes me back to that moment. And I think the, the hardest part of telling your story and sharing your testimony is there are times you almost feel like you're reliving it. (laughs) And that can be scary because the last thing you want to do is relive anything that traumatized you. Um, But telling your story with wisdom and knowing that you're not really reliving it, but you're just kind of rethinking it. That's it. You know, you're kind of thinking it to the point that the more you say it, the better you'll get at expressing it. Right. And it's almost like each time I tell my story or when I get that courage from God, that boost of energy from God just to share what I've been holding dear to my heart for years. Um, it starts to feel better and better and better. And I become stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. When I used to talk about all of this and everything that I experienced, I used to cry. Like I couldn't even make it through the conversation and it was very embarrassing. Um, But now that, you know, I'm 40, I'm about, you know, that took place in uh, 2005 to 2016. And I've been out of uh, that cult, that church (laughs) that they call the church, um, since 2016, so let me see, August 28th of 2016. That was my day of escape, the great escape. Um and I left and I never came back. So, you know, I've been out for some years. I feel like I was in jail. I've been out of jail for some years. Um and I'm a lot stronger um now when I choose to talk about it. So, let's jump into the topic um and again, today we're just Talking about how um, dating a narcissist and being in a personal, closely-tightened knit relationship with them, it takes a toll on you in every, every, every area. Um, and I will express to you how it it mentally messed me up. I mean, completely messed me up. So I wrote down a few things for you. um, Not a paragraph or anything like that, but just a few words um, that may ring a bell to some of you that are looking to get help from this podcast. Um, So mentally, um, some of the things I experienced while dating a narcissist is a pressure, mental pressure. Um, There was a lot of mental stress. And there was so many countless nights of mental torment. There was a lot of mental confusion. I was exhausted mentally. There was so much exhaustion, like mentally exhausted uh, to the point that I just couldn't even sleep at times. Um, It was like mental deception was definitely taking place. And there were so many times I was mentally fogged. Um, And it did feel like I was under a spell. Um, You know, and what's crazy when you tell your story, certain things that just come out of your mouth, like what just came out of my mouth right now, and I never put two and two together. Like, there was times my mind was so clogged with fog that I just couldn't, I couldn't put things together mentally, certain things that should have made sense to me just didn't make sense, you know? And in my mind, I kept trying to make sense of things, but because of the manipulation that I was under, it's like I just didn't have my own mind, you know? My whole mind was tainted. You know, my perspective, how I viewed things, it was tainted. Um, Everything was more so catered to the narcissist that I was dating. And and this took years to get there, you know? And again, when you're a mastermind manipulator, you're a narcissist and you know how to get into people's minds. You know how to read their emotions by, you know, basically saying, well, the Holy Spirit told me this about you, but the truth is you're just reading me because you've been taught to do so. So the Holy Spirit didn't really reveal a thing to him. He just read me. And you know, women sometimes, well, me, I'll speak for me. I don't want to offend anyone. But for me, there's a lot of times when I am emotional and I wear my emotions on my shoulders. You can kinda you can kind of figure out what's going on, what's happening, and just what's what's taking place with me. Um, so he was able on so many so many occasions in different situations, able to figure out how I was feeling, what I was going through. And again, he groomed me for himself. You know, I wasn't extremely young, but I wasn't extremely old. I was 23 when all of this started. So I was still easy prey to be manipulated. I was still so vulnerable that I was easy to be pulled into something that was unhealthy. Um, and, and I was vulnerable because I, I just didn't have family, you know, in California. Um, for all of you that do know now, I no longer live in California. But for the years that I was there, a large percentage of the years that I was dating my narcissist, I, I didn't have family out in California. So I was an easy target uh, for isolation. And yes, 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 you know, even though he would probably not admit this, but he did isolate me from my family. Um, how did he isolate me from my family? Well, he made me believe that he was the only one that was in my corner. You know that he was the only one that would assist me and give me money. That's only because I told him and shared with him that you know my family. Uh, we don't come from a large amount of money or inheritance. Like we don't just have thousands, quadrillion, billion dollars in the bank, but. He knew that there was, you know, he had access to money and there was times that I would need it and he would assist. You know, that's one thing about him. He wasn't afraid to give money or help out in that area, even though later on he would throw that in my face like, hey, well, I helped you here. I helped you there. Well, that's true. Again, narcissists do not have the ability to love. Yes, they will help you, but that help that they give you will will sooner than later be thrown back in your face as a reminder of some of the good that they did. And I remember I told him, (laughs) um, I can't remember if it was through text or to his face, but I was like, All the good you did does not cancel out all of the wrong that you've done to me. So yeah, happy-go-lucky, right? That you got some good qualities, but that doesn't cancel out all the evil that he did to me. It doesn't cancel out all the manipulation that took place over me. Now, keep in mind, if I'm 23, I really already am having a identity crisis, You know, I don't know who I am. I'm trying to figure out constantly every single day who Sharmitra is. So then here comes this man that was 17 years older than me at that time, Um, you know, uh, dressed up as a pastor, the title of a pastor. and, And there as a prophet, of course, later on, I was able to see that he was a false prophet. He just made it seem like he was there to help. And so when you're in that vulnerable state, anybody that offers you help, if you don't know right from wrong, if you don't trust the God that's in you, if you're not able to discern if they're there for your good or not, you're going to fall right into that help. And as you fall into that help, you're going to fall into a lot of other things that you were not prepared for. It's so much to say, so forgive me if I am spacing out. Forgive me um, if I'm not as (laughs) giggly today, but I got to stay in a certain mindset to deliver this to you all so that you can really know how it, it, it messed me up. So again, I was 23. I was vulnerable. There's really no family around. Easy target for manipulation. Let me do all I can to get her to trust in me, to rely on me so that I can get into her mind so that I can groom her for me and assist me. And I can use her for whatever she has. (laughs) I can use whatever she has to please me. Remember, narcissists are not really into pleasing you. Um, they take from you. Narcissists take from you. Yes, he gave me money, but there was a lot, like there's a, a lot of things he didn't give me. Again, that was 10 years and we talked about this on the last episode. 10 years. The main thing I was looking for as a woman was love. He could not provide that for me. Another thing I was looking for was protection. He could not provide that for me. And, and I'm looking for these things in a person that's incapable of even giving them. <laughs> but remember, I didn't know narcissists even existed until after I had left him in his presence and completely walked away. That is when God himself led me to a narcissist. Um article on Google. And when I read that article from top to bottom, left to right, it totally was his resume. (laughs) It was his resume. I'm like, wow, I had no idea that these people even existed. And in my mind, I'm like, God, these type of people that ruin people's life, mess them up mentally, throw them off emotionally and abuse them physically, whether that is sexually or physically harming them, these type of people with this mental illness should actually be put behind bars. That's exactly what I said. I can't remember if I said it verbally or if I thought it, but that's how I feel. And that's exactly how I feel to this day. People like this (laughs) that are roaming the earth freely, mm, they mess up so many people. Completely unaware of the consequences (sighs) that it leaves the victim in. I mean, it takes years to come out of stuff like that. Let me tell you something. Let me be so honest with you and transparent with you. Not only is there mental pressure, mental stress. Uh, member. I just mentioned these things. I'm going to read them out to you again. Not only is there mental pressure, mental stress, mental torment, mental confusion, mental exhaustion, mental deception, there's fog completely in your mind. You cannot properly think and All you can do is rely on this person. All you can do is rely on a narcissist. I mean, they take from you everything so that you can give them everything. Does that make sense? They take from you everything so you can give them everything, meaning they're constantly taking from you but you're going to constantly give to them. You're giving attention, you're giving your trust to them. You know, you're doing all you can just to survive, but the only type of survival that you know is through that narcissist. To the point that Jesus and God didn't even matter. So it's funny how he was a pastor, okay? And his his goal was not to point me to Christ or to God or to hear God's voice for myself, but his his goal was to get me to rely on him and trust in him completely as if the veil had never been torn. Now, remember the veil was torn from top to bottom so that we, as God's children, can have full access to him. But dealing with this narcissist, he made me believe that I had to go through him just to get through God. So for a long time, if I'm not mistaken, eight to 10 years around that time frame. I didn't even know God's voice. Every time I tried to bring to him what the says the Lord or a certain vision God might've given me, he sometimes twisted that like, hey, that wasn't really God that you heard. So for a long time, I thought the devil's voice was God and God's voice was the devil. So I was mentally confused. (laughs) When I say mental confusion, that's what I mean. I was confused, could not think for myself could not think for myself. I mean, so many unhealthy ways. You know what I mean? I mean, there's countless times I'm trying to figure out where he is. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm dating this, this dude, right? For 10 years. And there's times I'm calling him. You know, when you have a normal relationship, you're you're, you're married or you're in a relationship with your boyfriend, your significant other, whatever title they hold in your life, you're able to call them daily and see how they're doing. You have normal conversations throughout the day and you text throughout the day. But honey, that was not the case with my narcissist. Let me stop saying my. (laughs) My denotes ownership, so no. No. We're gonna say the narcissist. <laughs> Let's switch that up. Um, so, the narcissist that I dated at one point, I couldn't even just call him throughout the day. I couldn't even just text him throughout the day. Like, he literally always pretended to be busy. <laughs> but ain't nobody that busy. Like, the only person I know that's busy on a day to day basis that's a great multitasker is God Himself. But it's like I would call a dude's phone, he wouldn't answer. I would text him, he wouldn't answer. So hours have passed. You know, I'm trying to contact my boyfriend to see, hey, what are you doing today? Hey, maybe we can go out today. Hey, maybe we can spend time, but. He would never answer. He wouldn't respond until hours later. So in my mind, that led me to believe that maybe he is doing something he doesn't need to be doing. Yes, he called himself a pastor. And, and you know, at times pastors can get very busy um, when they're doing the things of the Lord, helping people, counseling people when they're married and they have children and they have responsibilities. Okay. We get that pastors have a load of Um, Responsibilities, but in this case, I mean, you're not married. (laughs) You have a a son. You're you're not married to his mother. I'm your girlfriend. Okay, you 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 don't really have a job. You know, you have your businesses that you go to and from um, every other day, whatever. But at the same time, you mean to tell me you simply can't answer a phone call or a text message, And, and then when you finally do respond, right to that phone call or text message, it's hours later. So I was totally like, is it Jean? (laughs) I'm like, dang, you're not answering my call. So look, I'm going like crazy on the other end. And that's how you know, that's one of the signs that you know a relationship is unhealthy. Like you shouldn't have to run after who you're with. There should be an uh, equal, you know, mutual communication, Like if I'm running after you and you, I got to try to pray for you to respond, girl, I'm up there praying. (laughs) Lord, please let him respond. Trying to figure out why he's not responding, overthinking why he's not texting me back and completely overthinking why he's not answering his phone. My mind was flushed so many times. I was fogged so many times to the point that I would have these headaches. I would be tormented with my own thoughts, with my own fears, you know? And then when he would finally text me back, it would be so vague, you know, as if I didn't text him five hours ago and he would just be like, oh, what's up? And I'm like, hey, so how are you? <laughs> how was your day? Like it took everything in me not to be disrespectful to him or To be sarcastic. You know, I had so much respect for him. And that's the thing. I knew I was a good woman because I respected him regardless of all of his mess and all of his narcissistic ways. Like, I just respected him. You know, I never wanted to come off as that woman that was disrespectful. But I was simply just like, hey, like I've been texting you. And and I'm like, I've been texting you. like Where you been at? But right there, he would take that so offensive, like, don't be questioning me. And who are you to question me first? I wanted to say, boy, I'm your girlfriend. I can question you if I need to. But it's like, I shouldn't have to question you. And it shouldn't take you five freaking hours to text me back. So as the relationship went on, I was able to see all of his unhealthy ways. Completely drove me insane. they drove me crazy. They really didn't remember in my last episode, I mentioned you know how I was not the only woman, and that I was cheated on um with other women um whose name I will not mention, but as far as me, <laughs> there was other women besides me. So, you know, as I grew apart from him, as far as learning his ways, I was able to finally put two and two together that, you know, bruh basically not texting me back or calling me back because he's with one of the other women. Um, And that was a hard pill to swallow. And so, so many times I would bring to his attention like, hey, so are you dating so-and-so? Are you talking to so-and-so? Is you and -and so-and-so, you know, doing the do? And he would get so angry. Uh, He would get so offensive. Um, He would begin to basically... Turn that conversation around on me and make me feel like stupid. You know, make me feel like I was completely insecure because I was questioning him. You know, but it's like, God, you're not responding to any of the text messages. And on top top of all this, I shouldn't have to ask you anything. You know, I should be able just to get like a normal response from my boyfriend. You know, you ain't that busy, but he really turned everything around on me and made it seem like I'm insecure. You're asking all these questions cause something is wrong with you. You know, well, you're supposed to be the woman of God, but you don't trust me. But at the same time, let's capitalize on that. It took you five hours and some just to respond to a text message. So that's a red flag, right? <laughs> so again, um the mental pressure, the mental stress, the mental torment, the mental confusion. I mean, exhausted. Couldn't sleep. You know, I'm up all night trying to figure out where he is, what he's doing, or who he's doing it with. There were so many gray areas in our relationship. And this is just a relationship with the narcissist. So let me tell you, if you're in one with a narcissist right now, get out while you can, because it's only going to get worse. And no one, no woman or no man deserves to be in a relationship that is going to constantly cause you mental issues. And it's crazy because even though he was the one with the mental issues, they have this thing where they try to transfer their mental issues onto their victims. And it looks as so that victim is crazy, but The truth is, it's just the narcissist that's crazy, but he will try his best to make you think you're the crazy one and he is not the crazy one. So for years, the mental toll that it took on me was, I did think I was crazy. I really thought something was wrong with me. Um, And that was a hard pill to swallow. You know, not only thinking that I'm crazy and something is wrong with me, but that I needed some type of <laughs> divine intervention—intervention, intervi- um, excuse me—from God just to fix me mentally. Like He made me think I was so crazy that I constantly needed some deliverance, or I constantly needed hands laid on me. That I'm the one that constantly needs to study my Bible. I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. I am constantly working to be a better person, but the truth is there was never anything wrong with me. So I'm working for no reason. (laughs) I'm overworking myself, overthinking everything for no apparent reason. You get what I'm saying? So mentally draining, you guys, completely drained me mentally physically drained me, calling me all different hours of the night, you know, 9, 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Hey, can can you come over and help me with this? Everything was about him. So the toll that it takes on the victims that are in personal relationships with narcissists, you no longer have a life. Everything is about your narcissist. Everything is about what they want. Everything is about what they need. You don't matter and you really don't count. You don't. He'll try to make you feel like you count. He'll try to make you feel like you're special. But deep down on the inside, you are completely empty. You're completely flushed and you, you just, you don't even know if you're coming or if you're going. So, (laughs) I am almost at my time. It's 29 minutes and 18 seconds. And the goal today was to express to you the toll that the narcissist takes on their victims. How it ruins us mentally. How it messes us up emotionally. How it fogs our minds to the point that we can't even think it's amazing that I was even able to function to do somebody's praise dance. So that let me know that there were certain mind, um, certain areas, excuse me, in my mind that he had tainted so badly that almost under the manipulation belonged to him, but there was other parts of my mind where Charmitra still existed. To where I can function and live and pretend like I was okay, make up a praise dance, and still be able to just visually be seen and even talk. There were so many times, so many times, you guys, because of this situation, that 10-year narcissist relationship, I was suicidal. Mm. It's almost like I remember those moments like it was yesterday. I was suicidal so many times. And I'll share this story with you. I mean, I I would drive from the church to home. And because things were so backwards with this whole relationship, everything was so messed up. I was just like, I right, God, listen, I'm about to drive here off this freeway because I'm I'm done with this, I'm tired of it, and I want it to be over. Because I honestly felt like that was going to be my life. I literally felt like that was going to be my life forever. I literally felt like being in that relationship with that narcissist was never going to end. I literally felt like God had forgotten about me, that God is not going to redeem me, that God is not going to bring me out. Like I want to be out of Egypt, but I felt like Egypt for me would never end. So the only thing for me to do was to try to, to end it on my own. And that's where suicide options came. And of course he used that against me and made me think I was crazy. Nah, even if you're suicidal, you're not crazy. That's just, that's just the spirit and something you're struggling with. So don't let the devil make you think you're crazy. You can get free from that. that. You have to be able to separate you from the demons that constantly try to drive you. Like, that's not you. And even to this day, I can confidently say I am not crazy. <laughs> I am completely fine, girl. <laughs> but seriously... That night, I, I, plenty of nights that I had drove home from the church and I just wanted to drive off the side of the freeway. That's just how bad it was. Oh, but good old God was like, no, ma'am. It's almost like every time I tried to turn and do something crazy with that wheel, he would turn it and put it right back where it needed to be so I could get home safely. So the dopest part about all this is God was with me through it all. And I know most people would say, well, why did you stay so long? Uh, Duh, (laughs) manipulation. Well, why did you let him do all that? I loved him. Let's, Let's talk about that part. Even though my narcissist, excuse me, even though the, the, not my, but the narcissist was incapable of loving me, the truth is I loved him. Do I love him now? No, I do not. I prayed for God to take away every positive feeling that I had for him. I asked God to keep it there for a little bit so I can at least pray for the man. (laughs) But uh, no, I don't love him. There's no part of me that belongs to him. Not anymore. So again, even though they're incapable of loving you, that doesn't mean you're not going to love them. That was was real for me. (laughs) That was my reality for 10 years, regardless of how he took it, regardless of how he felt, Because of his mental illness and he was limited with certain things he could or could not do. It was still very, very real for me. So, yes, I loved him. I don't believe I was in love with him. But I did love him. Enough to stay. Enough to believe uh, all of his lies. Enough to believe that his manipulation was for my good. Enough to believe that he was the one God wanted me to be with. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I stayed. Love made me stay in that manipulation. I mean, he wasn't really my type. Let's <laughs> let's talk about that. I felt like dude had to manipulate me into even liking him cuz he's not my type. Like uh <laughs> I ain't going to be disrespectful or nothing, but he he's like right now, <laughs> he's not even attractive in any way. Like it I can't even believe I dated him. <laughs> I'm not ashamed or nothing like that But again, the point is He wasn't my type And I felt like he had to manipulate me Into even liking him (laughs) So yeah Um, Yeah Mental Pressure, mental stress mental Mental torment Mental confusion Mental exhaustion Mental deception The mental fog Changes My perspective tainted me mentally and made me think I was crazy. Those are all the things we went over today. And remember, this is just information to let you know how being in an unhealthy relationship with a narcissist can take a toll on you. And remember, the toll is not just mentally, but it's everywhere, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So I um, am going to close this out. I really hope that this helped somebody. I really hope that if you have any questions, please inbox me on um, Facebook Messenger. Inbox me on the IG page for Unscrambled. If you have my number, text me personally. Or you can email me at Captivated Ministry at gmail.com whatever questions and concerns you have regarding this topic about narcs please reach out um i don't want you to feel like you're by yourself because you're not and like i mentioned on my story yesterday it's my story it's not your story which means i'm going to say and share and speak whatever i need to You know, some people go through things and it's so bad and traumatizing that they don't want to talk about it no more. Like, no, we're going to leave that where it is. We're going to leave it in the past. But for this woman, this was not something to just leave where it was and act like it didn't happen or I just, you know, didn't want to pick it up again. Like, so let's, let me, let me, let me say that again. I'm not the type of woman that would allow a traumatizing situation to be left where it, where it was. And I'm not going to just leave it there and not pick it up and make it useful. So I hope that made more sense. The last thing I want is to confuse you. <laughs> like, I believe whatever I experienced, whatever I went through um, is for greater purpose. It's for greater use. So for years I danced. Out my testimony, I danced out my story like with the abortions. The abortions, like, I quickly found a song by Le Man to make up a dance to. So that I can get through that time. So dancing for me was my only way of expressing how I felt, what I was going through. But as I grew in God, as I got older as a woman and wiser, I'm okay with verbally saying something now. So for the audience that may believe I should not be saying anything, I am sorry, but... (laughs) I am going to say everything. And to the audience that is finally excited that I'm saying something, thank you, because you get me. And I'm not mad at anyone. I'm not angry. But again, it's my story. It's not yours. So therefore, I'm going to tell it, share it, and put it to good use. So thank you all for your attention. <laughs> Unscrambled for today is coming to a close. Again, if you have any questions, you have any concerns, reach out to me. Um, I have the IG page. I have the page on Facebook. You can message me however you want to reach me. Um, on Facebook, I am under Danielle Miles. On IG, I'm under Sharmitra D. Miles. Um on Unscrambled. Thank you all for your time. You all have a good evening.